Good morning, Christ Covenant Church. During this Advent season, we as a church are looking at the Christmas story again. However, this year we have a unique approach. Four characters are closely examined. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Simeon, and Anna. These four people were Jesus' contemporaries. They were all closely related to the birth of Jesus. Yet, they all responded to the birth of Jesus differently. The Advent series is titled, Responding to the Birth of Christ. Each of the characters, Zechariah, Elizabeth, Simeon, and Anna, responded to the birth of Jesus in different ways. Zechariah responded with skepticism. Elizabeth with praise. Simeon with belief. And Anna with gratitude. It is worth noting that Luke was the only author of the Gospels that carefully recorded the responses of these men. Admittedly, the Gospel of Luke is one of the finest pieces of historical writing in all of the ancient literature, one of precision, order, and excellence. Luke and Acts, both written by Luke, the physician, present one of the best-styled Greek in the entire New, Te- New Testament. Note Luke's own words. In Luke chapter 1, verses 3 to 4, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Luke was a physician and historian with acute observation, thorough research, and skills of editing. Luke presented to readers a spectacularly accurate history. The Nobel Prize recipient, Sir William Ramsey, once noted, Luke's history is unsurpassed in regards to its trustworthiness. The systematic arrangement of the events recorded to the gospel, in the Gospel of Luke delivered one single purpose set forthright by Luke at the opening of this book, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. As we discover different responses from different people found in the writing of Luke, it is my prayer that you also find certainty, a certainty that is deeply rooted in the solid historiography of Luke, a certainty that is found in the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we were confronted with the skepticism of Zechariah, an aged priest who had no child, God broke the 400 years of silence and spoke to him 
through an angel. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were going to have a child, and his name is going to be John. To our disappointment, Zechariah did not believe the angel. He demanded for more evidence, and he responded to the good news of God with skepticism. Let us continue with the story today and look at how Zechariah's wife, Elizabeth, responded to the good news of the birth of Christ. If you would please turn with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 24 through 45 today. Luke chapter 1, verses 24 through 45. I'm reading the English Standard Version. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus for the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent, sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your of your greetings came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Would you pray? Pray with me. O Lord Jesus Christ, blessed are you, Son of God. In accordance with Scriptures, at the fullness of time, you were sent forth to be given for our sins. All the promises of God find their yes in you. You alone are worthy of our praise and adoration forever. In this Advent season, guide us and enlighten us as we study Your Word. Make us a people that is remembering. Make the good news of the gospel afresh, with wonder and joy. In our hearts, we pray in your holy and precious name, Amen. One of the things I learned to appreciate as a parent is that children love to be praised. It was C.S. Lewis who observed that nothing is so obvious in a child, not in a conceited child. But in a good child, as its great and undisguised pleasure in being praised. Some of you have met my son Josiah, the little naughty three-year-old boy who comes to this church on weekends and sometimes on weekdays. I try to spend him, spend time with him every day, and one of the things I like to do with him is taking him to a park nearby. He loves running, and he insists to race with me every time we're at a park. Clearly, I would purposefully slow down to let him win most of the races. However, every time he wins a running race with me, he will say this to me: "Daddy, when I'm running faster than you, you need to say." Good job, Josiah. <laughs> Not just in running. After he cleans up his toys, he demands, "Good job, Josiah." After he practices writing his name, he demands, "Good job, Josiah." And even after, even after putting on his own shoes, something that he should have learned a year ago, he also demands, "Good job." Josiah. Josiah, my son, unashamedly demands praise. As a parent, praise is given when demanded. Praise is rarely given begrudgingly. Can you imagine if I said, "Oh, come on, Josiah, don't be so full of yourself. 
Well, maybe there's one day for this, but at this stage of his life, I delight to lavish my child and the children in my church with praise. Rightly so, we do we do not find anything wrong with praising the children among us. It is a supremely loving thing to do, in fact, because we praise what we love. Elizabeth praised God. Unlike her husband, who responded to the good news with skepticism, she responded with praise. Her praise was a testament of God's grace. Her praise was an encouragement to young Mary, and her praise was an overflow of the joy that was in her heart. From the story of Elizabeth, we are going to examine her praise. There are three aspects of praise that we're going to look at. Praise, testament of grace. Praise, encouragement to others. And praise, consummation of joy. First, let us consider praise as a testament of grace. Imagine this. After encountering the angel Gabriel in the temple, Zechariah went home. He has so much to tell his wife Elizabeth. The terrifying appearance of a heavenly being, the comforting words from the angel, the unbelievable promise from God, the woeful humiliation of his disbelief, and the excruciating pain of the punishment. Yet he could not talk. He was struck mute by the angel because of his disbelief. At the moment of the angel's appearance, we know that the dawn was breaking the darkness. From this moment on, we see miracles after miracles. The angel indeed struck Zechariah's tongue, and then the aged couple indeed became pregnant. The angel then appeared again to young Mary, and Mary, the virgin. Was to give birth to a son, and his name shall be Jesus. Among others, Elizabeth was the first one who reacted to the divine favor with faith and praise. Verse twenty-four tells us: After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and aged. Barren woman became pregnant. This miracle, this first miracle, launched the saga of salvation. It was the beginning of the unfolding of the age of miracles that surrounded Jesus and his disciples. The first miracle that the four hundred years of darkness ex- experienced was that Elizabeth the Aged barren woman became 
pregnant. Then she sang a song of praise. Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when He looked on me to take away my reproach among people. She was certain that this was a miracle. She was certain that this was a favor shown by God. As we discussed last week, the shame of barrenness was removed from her by God, for He has looked on her. God has looked on His servant Elizabeth. This was not the first time God gave a child to a barren woman. And this was not the first time a woman praised God for blessing her with a child. In 1 Samuel 1, Hannah had the same disgrace as she wept for she had no child. The Lord looked on her, the same word used there, and gave her a son, Samuel. The Lord had taken away her disgrace among her people and gave her grace. And Hannah sang a song of praise, a praise of God's favor toward her. In the same fashion, Elizabeth uttered words of praise, a testament of God's grace. Psalm 135 calls us to praise our God. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord is good. For the Lord has shown us grace. We are to praise him. We are to praise Him in the house of the Lord, that is, at the church. We are to praise Him at all times. When we praise Him, we glorify our God as a source of all goodness. When we praise Him, we testify to this world that our God is a God of grace. Praise is a testament of grace. When praise is offered to God, It not only testifies of His grace, it also serves as an encouragement to others. Let us continue with the story. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel made another appearance. It is to be noted that this time, Gabriel skipped all the major cities and entered the lowly home of Mary in a town named Nazareth. Mary was not of much account by any indicators. She was too young to know much of the world or to have accomplished anything great. A young teenager, she was most likely illiterate. And her knowledge of the scripture being limited to what, he, what she had memorized at home and heard in the synagogue. What further astounds us 
It's her tender age. The New Testament scholars consider that the usual age for a girl's betrothal at Mary's time was between 12 and 12 and a half. Coupled with the custom that after the betrothal, the bride would live with her family for a year or so, it is astounding that a 12 to 14-year-old girl was chosen to be the virgin mother of our Lord. Yet, the greatest news ever proclaimed in human history came to the humblest of all people. The angel announced, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is a truly remarkable picture. Young and inexperienced, Mary heard the announcement of the angel, and she responded humbly, how will this be since I am a virgin? She needed enlightenment from God, and she pressed for an explanation. How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel gave Mary a sign. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Obviously, Elizabeth's miraculous pregnancy was hidden from Mary, as Luke tells us that Elizabeth remained secluded in the hill country. And Mary made her immediate decision to visit her aged barren relative, Elizabeth. Upon her arrival, Elizabeth underwent an elevation of her soul, and she exclaimed, with a song of praise. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. It is important to realize that Elizabeth's praise contains a double blessing, a blessing of Mary among all the women and a blessing of the Messiah that was in her womb. It is a much-needed confirmation for Mary as she believed the promise of the angel, and subsequently she responded with a song of Magnificat. Elizabeth, this elderly, godly woman, proved to be a great help to the young virgin, for her praise served as a tremendous encouragement to elevate young Mary's heart. 
as we move through the account, we cannot overlook something that is immensely beautiful here. God has given Elizabeth to Mary. God has used Elizabeth's praise as an encouragement to lift up the heart of this young troubled virgin. After all, Mary was just a young teenage girl who was told by the angel that she would bear within her the Savior. It was then Elizabeth's praise comforted Mary's heart and encouraged her soul. Elizabeth, having experienced a miracle herself, had a profound faith in what had happened in Mary's womb. Elizabeth's words of praise, a double blessing of Mary and the Lord she carried was such a tender balm to Mary's soul. God had given young Mary a godly woman as her closest friend and a confidant during this formative time in her life. Think of the mutual encouragement between Elizabeth and Mary shared in their songs of praise. Both were miraculously expecting. Both of their unborn babies had been announced by the same angel, Gabriel. Both their sons had fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. Imagine these two women. They prayed together. They praised God together. And encouragement overflowed between them. I am thankful that God directed Mary to a community of faith in the humble home of Zechariah and Elizabeth, where she was encouraged by people of mutual belief, mutual experiences, and mutual hope, where her faith was confirmed, celebrated, and strengthened. It all happened when Elizabeth exclaimed with praise. I hope this is also how we encourage one another in this church. By praising God, we are encouraging one another in faith because praise is encouragement to others. Praise is a testament of grace. Praise works to encourage others Praise is also the consummation of joy. In the first point, praise is a testament of grace. We focus on the foundation of our praise. That is, the grace God has shown to us. In the second point, praise is an encouragement to others. We aim to uncover the outcome of praise. That is, praise praise serves to encourage one another in faith. In this final point, I attempt to help you understand the nature of praise. That is, the consummation of joy. 
In Luke's account of Mary's visitation to Elizabeth, there's this one little detail that is hard to omit. Baby John, a six-month, a six-month-old fetus. In verse forty, we're told he leaped in Elizabeth's womb. In verse forty-four, Elizabeth explained what happened. When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. The sense here is that when the greeting of Mary was heard, before Elizabeth was able to return the greeting, John, the six-month-old fetus, responded before Elizabeth did. And he responded with a leap of joy. It is to be noted that the word leap here is more than just a prenatal turn or a kick. It is a word that is used to describe skipping or leaping as of sheep in the field. The angel made promise to Zechariah that his son John was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. Therefore, even before he was born, even while he was still in his mother's womb, John reacted to the coming of Jesus with a leap of joy. One thing is sure here: if John could talk, then he would have uttered a joyful praise. Like his mother Elizabeth did. If John could talk, then he would have praised God, like what he did thirty years later, when he was facing the Lord Jesus again. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. It is also to be noted. That Zechariah, after nine months of silence, also praised God for joy. Just like the angel promised, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Praise is a consummation of joy. It is a natural thing for us to praise what we enjoy, and our praise is not only an expression of our enjoyment, but also the completion of our enjoyment. In another word, praise is a consummation of joy. I have to admit that this idea is not my own invention. As a matter of fact, even the phrase "praise is a consummation of joy" is borrowed. It was C.S. Lewis, on the nature of praise, penned these words in his book "Reflections on the Psalms," nearly a century ago. Lewis writes, "But the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything," Strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. 
I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, workers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game. Praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it, wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? Praise was exactly how. Elizabeth responded to the good news of Advent, because she found joy in our God. God, in His mercy, has looked on her and took away her reproach. Her heart was glad, and her spirit was lifted, and she responded with the song of joyful praise. Elizabeth. Delighted in praising God, so do all who find their enjoyment in God. Lewis again turned the light in my brain and stirred the affections in my heart. As he writes, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy, because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. There's no doubt that Elizabeth modeled for all of us to respond to the good news of Advent with praise. Praise is a testament of grace. Praise is an encouragement to others. Praise is an overflow of our enjoyment. The key biblical relationship between joy and praise reminds us that in order for us to praise God as Elizabeth did, we need to first find our joy in God. We are created as a chief end of our existence to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. In order for us to praise God as Elizabeth did, we have to find our joy in God. It is the spirit of Advent, and it's also my prayer for you as I prepare this sermon, that we find our joy in Christ. That during this Christmas season, we would become a people more excited about the wonder of the coming of Jesus. Than any gift can bring, or any holiday can provide. It would be spiritually suicidal if we began to praise lesser things during this hol- during this Christmas season, more than Christ, who is the ultimate gift given 
to us. Christ is supreme over all. We are created to find our joy in Christ. Therefore, to praise Him, especially so in the season of Advent. In a moment, we're going to sing the hymn of response. O come, all ye faithful. It is one of my favorite Christmas hymns, often one often sung in my own family. In this hymn, we, f- we are found to be a people who are both joyful and praiseful because our praise of Jesus is a consummation of our joy in him. Listen to these lines. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Let us pray. Christ the Lord, we adore you. Joined with Elizabeth, Mary, and Zechariah, joined with all the angelic beings, all the heavenly hosts, joined with all of your people, the church triumphant, we adore you. Make us a people of joyful praise in this Advent season and at all times. For only you, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, is worthy of our praise forever and ever. We pray in your precious and holy name. Amen.